Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hi everyone, I would just like to start by acknowledging that we stand on the traditional lands of the Kaurna people and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. So my name is Bernadette Clavins and I work here at the Gallery in the Public Programs team, so um, you're probably quite familiar with me from our Tuesday talks, but outside my role in the Gallery I'm also an artist and writer. So I graduated from Adelaide Central School of Art in 2016, which is where um, I worked with Roy Nanda, so that brings me to speak about his practice today and his role as the Sala Feature Artist for 2021. Um, so it's really exciting to be celebrating Roy Nanda's practice. Um, he's been in the contemporary art scene of South Australia for 20 years now, which is really impressive. And in that time, he's been an educator at Adelaide Central School of Art and exhibited nationally at the MCA, Sam Stagg, the Drill Hall of Canberra. So he's been prolific in this time. So it's really fitting that he was selected as the Sala Feature Artist. And this is a big responsibility for an artist. It's a celebration of the history of their practice, which involves the development of a publication, which is the Sala Monograph. Also a feature exhibition, which is this year at Adelaide Central Gallery, and also a display here at the Art Gallery of South Australia. So today I'll be speaking a little bit about Roy's practice more broadly, and also introducing his new display of works here in the gallery. So you're probably familiar with Roy's practice, particularly his work in the Adelaide Biennial in 2018, um, where he displayed his thin walls between dimensions in the downstairs gallery and created a kind of dungeon experience where he created an immersive space that celebrated Dungeons and Dragons, which is one of his um, favourite pop cultural references. So Roy works across sculpture, installation, drawing, collage, sound recordings, performance, um, so really diverse fields of media and guess what you might have experienced in that Thin Walls Between Dimensions show was that his work is really about play, imagination and creating access points to pop cultural fandoms for people who might not usually be familiar with those things. So he draws from lots of different pop cultural references in his practice, including Star Wars, Dungeons and Dragons, comic books that he loves, HP Lovecraft, a whole wide range of genre that he draws from and that kind of play out in his practice in a really imaginative way. One way to look at Roy's practice is that he, he finds the relationship between reality and fantasy and really um, looks at his identity as a fan and draws on that identity and tries to, I guess, play with people's understanding of what it means to be a fan and to be obsessed and devoted to these different pop cultural references and how that plays out in an artwork. So I guess... I first met Roy when I studied at Adelaide Central School of Art. I was a student of his and studied sculpture where he really focused on process-based sculpture. So a lot of his early works were really about the act of making and the, the process of making without focusing on the final outcome of a work. So very much about the process, experimentation, and often introducing chance-based elements into his way of working and not so much focusing on that final polished object and really about what that process and kind of lack of preciousness in that journey to make a work and what that means. 
So a lot of the assignments he would introduce at art school were very much about instructions, chance-based ways of making, giving um, us one task a week before giving us a new task the following week that would see us completely altering the object that we were given to work with. So very much about experimentation and celebrating the act of play. So I guess what's interesting is Roy's influences, um, uh, you know, Richard Serra and Sol Witt. So artists who are really interested in the act of list making, playing with verbs and language to then generate processes of making. So very much the kind of instructional artworks of Sol Witt, where he might deliver, you know, the framework of how to install an exhibition or to create a drawing and then someone else will take that on board and then install it in the space. So playing with all these different processes to generate an artwork where the, the artist themselves might not necessarily be present. So all of these are important influences in the making of Roy's work. So different strategies for making that he works with other than process-based sculpture, which I just introduced. So he also works with annotations, visual puns, found objects, and using an aesthetic of excess as other strategies that kind of play out in his work. Um, so over time, his work has really moved from um, that very generative way of making and process-based making to really bring his cultural references to the forefront of these works. So over time, you can start to see, you know, Star Wars and Dungeons and Dragons and his love of the Warner Brothers universe kind of eeping out in these works until they're now at the very forefront of his artworks. So another great work that you might have experienced is Slow Crawl Into Infinity at Samstag Gallery that was in 2014, where Roy created a large-scale immersive installation of the um, introductory text of Star Wars, where that recedes in space, and that perspective is really iconic. So he recreated that opening text in ply and pine. So he created this amazing scaffold with the lettering um, CNC routed and so the, the work itself stood metres and metres above so you would look up and get a sense of that perspective and he created an analogy for that on-screen experience. So a lot of his sculptural works really experiment with how you can bring the logic of an on-screen universe or fantasy world and make a sculptural analogy of that. So how do you make something a physical object that starts to, to look at a parallel version of that that exists in our reality? So kind of closing the boundaries between himself and his fandoms. So there's a real, I guess, pathos to his work as well where he's really looking at the, the role of a fan and trying to bring himself closer to that fantastical universe that he loves and trying to break down those barriers and become closer to that fictional universe. So I guess some other strategies that he uses include visual puns and sculptural analogues that I just spoke about. So you might also recognise his works that draw from the Warner Brothers universe that are very much about pulling from those internal logics of those spaces and finding physical equivalents of those in gallery spaces. So you might be familiar with the work where he looks at the experience of a cartoon character with the stars circling their head. And so his version of this is a a timber framework, almost like a device someone would wear that has a toy train set that's actually a kinetic element of the work and he tries to find this kind of humorous version of these on-screen experiences. As I mentioned before, as Roy's role as Sala feature artist, he responded to two works as part of the AGSA collection, which is really exciting. 
So he was really excited about responding to Peter Booth's painting 1982 and Oliver Elison's Dark Matter Collective, which is here with us now. So he actually started creating these kinds of annotated works in 2018, and they had quite an interesting start where he was invited to write a catalogue essay for local artist Carly Snoswell for her show Since 1989, which was at Floating Goose Studios. And so in this work, she made this amazing textile banner which comprised of all different um, port power paraphernalia. So she stitched together dozens and dozens of objects into one amazing banner that was held across the gallery. And so what Roy did was take a photograph of that installation, basically a silhouette drawing of her work, and then sectioned off every part of it, and then created a list of all these different pop cultural references that spoke to all the different objects embedded in that work. And so that was his catalog essay for Carly. So um, that's where his annotation series began, which is really interesting. Um, so since then, he's created dozens and dozens of these annotated works where he collides and cross-pollinates all these different pop cultural references. So he's not tied to just one um, genre that he draws from. It might be from film, from graphic novels, texts, a poem, art historical references. Um, so he's not really bound by any one genre. He sees it as an equalizing space for all of these different references to live alongside each other. So he might start with his personal um, interests and then once he kind of maybe runs out of steam of those, not that that happens very easily with Roy, but once he runs out of references that are in his personal orbit, he then looks further afield. Yeah, they have a real encyclopedic quality to them. So what he's really interested in is annotating images that have multiple elements to them. So you can see that that's the appeal of this Oliver and Dark Matter Collective work. And also Peter Booth's painting where they have multiple elements of the same kind of imagery. So here it's the sphere, the repeated element of 217 spheres, which is a rich area for annotating for Roy. And then also Peter Booth's painting with the various kind of, I guess, the hellish landscape of multiple cannibalistic items and flesh and bone and fairies and snakes and all these different imagery that was a rich ground for Roy to annotate. And so Roy actually has, I guess, selected Peter Booth's painting from a personal experience of coming through the gallery as a child. And it was a really strong visceral reaction for him to spend time with that work, obviously, as a child. So that imagery has stayed with him for a really long time. And so this is the perfect opportunity for him to play out that kind of fascination with that particular work. He really melds pop culture and art history in these works and makes them by drawing with a Posca pen over a light box. So he gets the original source imagery, creates a silhouette drawing and fragments it into different sections and basically traces the entire image in Posca pen before turning it into a digital image and then blowing it up to different scales and printing on either you know, paper or vinyl. So here Roy's really interested in the language of the wall text, so that kind of materiality and language of the wall text being kind of vinyled onto the wall. So that's what he's playing with here in this particular piece. So the Peter Booth painting is a one-to-one -one scale annotation. And so he's kind of drawing from different horror films and, you know, death metal album covers in his list of references there. So some of those references, if you look closely, 
are quite local. So one of them is a local um, death metal band that he's referenced in there. So they're not just global, you know, cult following references. There's also ones that are very located in his um, local environments, which is really lovely. And so in the Peter Booth work, you can see that the intense references from horror films, which might not be everyone's jam, he's also kind of offset this with the humour of referencing things like, you know, the severed arm of Buzz Lightyear in there, or the ribcage xylophone from The Animaniacs, or Bernie from Weekend, Weekend at Bernie's. So there's a whole um, eclectic range of references within that one response. So I really encourage you to spend some time with that work. And what's really nice is that both works are set in conversation with each other, so you might spend time looking at those references before looking back to that rich painterly surface of the Peter Booth work and really get a sense of that intensity. So um, it's almost like a paint-by-numbers silhouette that you have the pleasure of kind of filling out the blanks as you look across both, both works in there. Um, so Oliver Eliasson's Dark Matter Collective, this is an incredible installation of 217 glass spheres. So in this particular response, Roy was really interested in the symbol of the sphere and how this has played out in different metaphysical references, art historical references, in film, books, and, you know, fantasy films and things. So... What he's done is collate lists of glass orbs, crystal balls, snow globes, glass eyes, and spheres that appear in works of science fiction. And so there's also some really um, fun references in there, even just mundane ones such as the lawn bowl from Cracker Jack. So it's kind of combining these magical elements alongside the everyday references. So there's a huge range in there. So there's, um, I guess a real intention behind that to make a point for everyone to connect with these references. So even if you're not familiar with the majority of the list, if you spend enough time with the work, you might find a nugget that you connect with. And there's one reference in there that helps you, um, I guess, connect with that world of fandom. And I guess that's Roy's interest is to create this kind of visual excess of references. So by having these extensive lists, you might not even need to read the whole thing to really get a sense of that obsessive fandom. So that labour of love of Roy kind of closely annotating these things is also what he's interested in. So I guess I kind of see these lists as being almost parallel to those kinds of intense scaffoldings that he creates for those larger scale works such as Thin Walls Between Dimensions mentioned. So that aesthetic of excess is really carried across from both his sculptural installations to also his kind of text-based works. So there's definitely thread throughout Roy's practice, even though the outcomes are very diverse. Um, so there's also a, a kind of humorous, self-deprecating element to these works, where he's kind of poking fun at that um, identity of being a fan and that obsession. So there's always, I guess, the kind of obsessive elements are then undercut by a self-deprecating humour. So there might be a sense of sadness or pathos that sits alongside these more comical elements. So I think that's part of the success of Roy's work, is having these two tones operating at once. 
And he really draws from this kind of diagrammatic language. So looking at, you know, indexing, bibliographies, marginalia, looking at these forms of annotating and indexing and ways of storing intense levels of knowledge and playing with those kind of formats of communication and then imbuing them with these kind of rich references within. So he really enjoys using these kind of dry, deadpan methods of communicating and using them as a framework for his artworks. So you might be familiar with some of his other works where he has taken a page from an HP Lovecraft book and he has scanned it in, blown it up to large scale and then meticulously annotated in different colour codes across the entire page until it's completely covered. Then he's re-scanned it in and shrunk it back down to that original page size. So he really plays with that sense of, you know, even if you can't read that text, there's still that excessive devotion to that one piece of fiction and there's obviously that kind of play that um, fans obviously have so much to say about this one tiny piece of a book. So it's kind of that comical reference in there as well. So it's really, you know, commenting on what it is to be a fan, the act of gaining knowledge, celebrating and collecting fandoms. So I guess the Sala monograph is a really interesting publication, if you haven't checked it out already, where it really speaks to the visual language of Roy's practice. So this format of annotating and dense information plays out in the book itself. So a key essay in this book is by Andrew Purvis, curator of Central Gallery, and he's written a really beautiful essay that spans Roy's practice and really looks at his work overall. And that essay has then been um, annotated by Roy himself so it almost forms you know, a dialogue between the author and Roy and then the other writers. So we've all um, kind of had these mini conversations in the footnotes of the book. So it's um, quite eccentric in that way and makes it a really enjoyable read because you can either access it through that key essay or you can spend time with those smaller um, inserts of information. So Sean Williams is also one of the other key writers. So he is a really celebrated science fiction author who has done work with the Star Wars and um, I think Doctor Who franchises. So he, a lot of his books, I guess, really play with um, science fiction. So he's actually written a series of microfictions that are then interwoven into the book itself. So as you're reading, you might come across one of these interventions in the text. So I guess my part in writing for Roy was really looking at his work in a series of small, short essays that really looked at one of his key works and then applied a strategy of making to them. So I might just identify you know, a work such as Slow Crawl into Infinity and apply that with a strategy of an aesthetic of excess or yeah, that kind of amassment of material. So really um, just small micro essays on specific works of his. So I recommend that you head down to the AXA bookstore and go grab yourself a copy. And what links in really nicely is that Roy's Sala monograph speaks directly to his exhibition that's currently on display at Adelaide Central Gallery, where he's actually created an amazing catalogue of all of his personal items in his collection. So he has over, I think it's 4,300 items in his own home that is his personal collection of records, DVDs, CDs, um, books, picture books, 
even photographs of himself at comic book conventions, these all enter into this catalogue that he's made over the past year. And so what he's done is photograph every single item in this personal collection and then placed it onto an isometric grid where every single object has the same perspectival quality and it seems to recede in space. So um, the show is quite extraordinary. The entire gallery is covered in his collection so you can spend time with the objects that kind of almost form a self-portrait of Roy. So it's quite a personal show, I think, compared to his other works that can kind of feel quite he's quite removed from them other than, you know, when you spend time with these references, you might gain a picture of his interests. But this show at Adelaide Central really celebrates his personal library of things. And so he's done connecting points between each of these objects that appear on the walls. So that actually opens officially tonight at Adelaide Central Gallery. So um, you can book a ticket to that show. Otherwise, it's open during the week. So that's the feature exhibition, which is then supported by these works on display. So I guess I might just wrap it up there for the moment. Thank you so much for listening. So yeah, I'd really love to invite you to spend time with Roy's work both in here and in Gallery 6. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you.